0: It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy.
1: Bo, don't you feel like this week just happened?
0: It's, it's kind of unbelievable. I, feel, I, I sort of feel like that every week, almost. You know what I mean? It's, you wake up, it's Monday, and then by the time you look, look around and realize where you are, it's already Friday.
1: You know why it's short for me.
0: Oh, I know why it's short for you. That might have been why it was a little bit longer for me is because why it was shorter for you.
1: That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you just said that you and know how fast this week went by, and it was probably because I was out of the office Monday through Wednesday. But, um, guys, I am happy to be here. i got to tell you, a lot has happened since we did the last show. First, you know, we had the passing of, of Steve Jobs. Pretty incredible man by all accounts. The tributes, you know, Came out after we did the last show, and I wanted to just throw out real quick, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but do y'all realize that Steve Jobs is what's made the Money Guy show even possible? And Steve Jobs has single-handedly made it possible for me to get 47% of my new business is because of Steve Jobs, because that's where we get a lot of our, our new clients now from Money Guy listeners. And I think back, you know, after the passing of him, it's so funny is that we all traded text around here and, and called each other. And we were even sad the next day. I mean, it was one of those things that was kind of like a gray cloud. So I know it's kind of in the past. We've got Apple's earnings coming out next Tuesday. So we've all got smiles on our face because the S that we were initially disappointed with, we've kind of realized it kind of is the Apple iPhone 5. It's just called the S because there is a lot of new functionality to it. So, Pretty excited about that, but I did want to just throw that out there about Steve Jobs because I think we've lost a pioneer of, of our generation and our lifetime, and I'm just so happy that we got to experience a lot of that stuff firsthand. Because I, I can believe me, I think for generations we'll be telling our grandkids and everywhere, you know, what our experience was with with well, the we iPhone.
0: Get, we get to say we lived in sort of the era of Steve Jobs, and I think it might have been you, but didn't you send an article over where people were talking about that it was, you know, he he can be mentioned in the same name as like. Uh, Thomas Edison? Well
1: that, that day after he passed, there was at least three articles in the Wall Street Journal, and, and I know Edison was mentioned in two of them. So that was kind of the common buzz that was going around, even in some debate that was going on about it. But that's, that's not today's show. Today's show, for you guys, you all know how nerdy we are. It's so funny. We had a client come by who came to drop off some forms. He goes, what are you all doing? I can tell I'm interrupting something pretty intense because Bo and I were in there discussing and debating some of the, the issues. And we said, well, we're actually looking at Herman Cain's 999 plan. He goes, oh, well, tell me about it. What would you find out? And so I knew we were on to a good show topic based upon the way our client, who was just dropping off material in some forms that we had sent him, he was kind of intrigued. So I know a lot of you guys are curious to know what's our thoughts on this because you hear about it. It's a very simple tax plan. You know, it's 9% on the corporate side, 9% on the individual side, and then we're going to also add a 9% sales tax. You're like – wow that sounds really easy so what's the catch well there are some things i'm going to go over what's exciting about it what gives me pause and i'm also going to talk about some of the unanswered questions because of course we love us a good spreadsheet we actually took firm Um, we're going to obviously not share names or specific numbers but we can tell you where they came out with um, to a large deal so Uh, That's what we'll be covering today. I did want to kind of start off the show with two quick things besides the Steve Jobs tribute, um, you know, where we mentioned that is that I did just get back in town and I stayed at this incredible place in Mexico that was a five star resort, but I've realized that even though I like traveling, and it's one of those things, Nikki had a saying that she told us, and Bo, can you, can you quote it better than I did?
0: I think what she said is spending money on travel is the only thing that you'll spend money on that'll make you richer. And, and
1: I, I think that's a great quote, because y'all know I'm a tightwad about most things in life, but I love traveling. So we went and stayed at this really nice resort, but this is when you know you're a tightwad. <laughs> is, it first started, when we get to the airport, they tell us, they say, Mr. Preston, we don't have any seats for you and your wife together, uh, you know, because I was flying one of those airlines. I'm not going to say their names, but I was flying one of those airlines. It doesn't let you reserve your seats ahead of time because you know you get a cheaper fare. So that was the first clue that I'm a tightwad. So I get there, but they get you in the end because they say we don't have seats with you and your wife together, but we can get you to business class where there are two seats together. Moving on up. Well, so I did the quick math and realized, okay, we're checking two bags. That's 20 bucks a piece. Okay, that's 40 bucks. It's gonna cost 130, 140 to upgrade. Okay, so it's really costing 100 bucks. Okay, uh, I really don't want to do it, but I don't want to start this trip sitting in two different seats across the plane because then when the plane lands, it's gonna be a pain in the rear end to have my wife's luggage in the back of the plane. I'm in the front or vice, you know, right, split right, it. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna pay 100 bucks because I like the. I'm 6'4, the extra legroom will be nice, and we're gonna start this trip outright. So I pay the extra 100 bucks on top of the check luggage fee. But then while I was formulating a plan, you know, because this is an early morning flight, by the way. This was a 9 o'clock in the the morning flight. So they ask if we want cocktails. My wife, of course, says, no, I just want to get a Coke, Coke Zero. I was like, no. I quickly interrupted (laughs) the flight attendant. I said, she wants a Coke Zero and Jack Daniels. And then for myself, she goes, would you like some, sir? And I said, "Um, sure, I'll take an orange juice and vodka. And then... So she brings out the orange juice and the Coke and then brings out the airplane bottles. Well, we have zero desire to drink these things. It's nine in the morning. I'm not a heavy drinker. My wife doesn't drink ever heartily. <laughs> so I'd stick it in my pocket. So the waitress so the flight attendant comes back, you know, a few minutes later and says, Would you all like something else to drink? And we were like, my wife was like, Yes, I'd like a coffee. I said, Actually, she'd like a coffee with Baileys. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and she goes, sir, would you like something? I said, I want a coffee with Baileys too. So she brings out the Baileys with the coffees. And then she comes back and and I say, and my wife says, can I also have creamer? And, and the flight attendant looks at us weird and goes, y'all need creamer with your Baileys? And I'm like, yeah. So she brings it. Well, of course the Baileys were going in our pockets too. Right, so right. I was sitting here and what I was doing, a lot of you guys are probably realizing how completely nuts I am is because I was trying to figure out my cost to fund ratio. I was trying to get back a hundred bucks from the airlines through airplane bottles, which is not going to work out mathematically, but that's where, that's the first thing. The second thing is, is that we got to the airport, met our shuttle service. We had a, a driver that was taking us to the, from the Cancun airport to our hotel. I asked him, I said, can you pull over at 7-Eleven because I want to pick up some Cokes and waters and other things because I knew we had a mini fridge at the at the resort, so I loaded up on all these beverages for the the condo. I mean, well for the the villa at this resort because I had seen on TripAdvisor that drinks were like five dollars for a Coke, so I loaded up on all those things on the way. And I could tell when we got to the to the resort, it was kind of the same reaction I had from the flight attendant. She was disgusted with me on the plane <laughs> because every time they come around and I'd ask for. This drink she knew what i was doing well, that's Make what it.
0: that's what i think is so funny because i think you told me this is only a two-hour flight right yeah so she so knew what in, we were in doing. her mind she's thinking wow this couple ties it on pretty pretty hard pretty early and they can hold themselves or i totally know what this guy's up to
1: yeah but the, so i'm sure this happens all the time so that's why i couldn't believe what she was giving me a hard time the second thing is when we stop at the convenience store and got all those supplies so i pull into the resort you know and they pop the cab trunk and you know, they're unloading it to the bell people, and there's my grocery bags with all my supplies. I know that those guys had to look at me and go, Who is this tightwad <laughs> that is pulling in here with a grocery bag for his villa? But, I, and I say this, I'm not a bad tipper. I don't want anybody to think I'm shortchanging the people who are providing the service. I just can't stand to overpay for something. So that was kind of my, my tells in being a tightwad. Uh, it was a fun trip, great time, and every time I drank one of those. Free, practically free drinks, you know, that I bought at the Seven Eleven. I smile in the system. So this is not an act, guys. I really am like this. I like staying at nice places, but I like doing it on my own way, which probably annoys the heck out of people. Thank God I have a wife. I am
0: about to say, your wife probably being number one on that list. She
1: No, but she understands and loves that I'm kind of this <laughs> way. She's married me this way, so it's kind of you, your fiancé has the same future ahead of her. Second thing is, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I was touched by something that happened yesterday. I was listening to the radio coming into work. And there was a a program, you know, on, on Q, uh, no, it was Star 94, Star 94 yeah. where there was a giveaway, where the, all they were giving away was a makeover of your closet and then two days down at Sandestin, which is a beach resort, beach area, not, you know, five or six hours from Atlanta. And this woman who won it broke down into tears. And then the, even the, the host, the radio host, broke down into tears, too. I mean, this was a very emotional moment. I know I'm not doing a great job of explaining this on air, but it was it, it was really touching. And she said, my life has been so hard this past year with my husband and us losing jobs and just the, everything that's going on out there. And it kind of hit me is that we are all in this together. I mean, I think there is this cloud that is hanging over all of us. There's this dread because the economy has been struggling mm-hmm. for years. This is not normal. This is not the way things are supposed to go. But I want to just tell you guys, hang in there. Believe me everything that is good we always look back on it and it seems easier than it actually was you know if you look at people who are successful in your community a lot of you know a lot of people have a tendency you see it in the in the media and elsewhere people go look how lucky that person is well a, lot of, a lot, good chance is it wasn't luck whatsoever that they made some decisions during some times and made put in hard work and other things it was the same thing with investing and, and staying in there with the economy right now it's 10 years from now A lot of people are going to be looking back on a number of you listening, going, look at those lucky son-of-a-guns and all the money they have. And what they don't understand is that you are doing the hard work right now. You're staying the course. You're doing your monthly savings, your dollar-cost averaging. Taking advantage of your employer's match. You're not letting your emotions change the way you handle your investment decisions. It will pay off. Go that road less traveled. And it will pay off. If you can keep that contrarian mentality and be fed by the fact that things, a lot of times, the best opportunities are usually when everybody else thinks it's the darkest. You'll be okay. And that's the, I just want to kind of give you those words of encouragement because I think so many people are feeling the weight of this economy. And I, I just want to kind of throw out a few positive words out there. So let's jump into 999.
0: F- for, first of all, before we jump in that, I, I think a lot of people might not realize this, but t- Tell them, you know, we have a number of candidates, you know, uh, entering, entering into the race, and it's kind of a, a set race right now. But what's unique about the individual who has proposed this 9-9 plan to, to you and I specifically? That is a
1: great segue, Bo, is that it I cracks me up. When you go to Herman Cain's, what, by the way, first, I need to go ahead and throw this out there because I don't want to skew anybody. I don't know who my candidate is. I, don't, I try to keep politics out of this show completely. But I am intrigued by Herman for one thing. I've known Herman. I don't know him as a person. Uh, he's not a friend of mine. I don't come, but he actually lives in my community. Herman Kane is from Henry County, which is here in Georgia, which is the community that, you know, like I, I've mentioned before, I'm on the, the I'm the chairman of the school board here. Uh, Herman has speak has spoken at a number of events. I mean, it's ranged from Council for Quality Growth. I think he's even spoken to Rotary. Right. I mean, Herman has been around for a number of years now, so I've known how dynamic Herman Cain is for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's he's come on the political scene. He ran for Senate a few years back. Really a powerful, powerful speaker. I mean, he gets you motivated. Kind of makes you want to, you know, run through walls after you hear him talk. But he came out, you know, and I've really been surprised watching it because, I, like I said, he, I don't. He's not my candidate. I have not figured out where I fall in this whole thing. I think I'm like everybody else. I'm just hanging on in this economy praying that we all come together at some point and figure something out. And Herman is, um, he's, I think it's very interesting that he's from Henry County. I mean, because how often do you say that you've actually met a presidential contender that right. lives in your community. Right. And that's why I kind of wish I'd have taken some pictures with him now, you know, just in case this whole thing works out for him. It'd be pretty cool to hang a picture up of you and the president. And, you know, and I know a lot of you guys pick on me because you think you figured out my political views. I will tell you, if President Obama called me up and said, hey, Brian, I'm a big money guy fan. I want you to come up and hang out with me at the White House. I'm on the next plane because <laughs> I just have that much respect for people who get to that level of the game and it's kind of the same way with Herman watching this. So I was intrigued when he came out with this nine 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 plan, and I wanted to kind of give you our thoughts on it because I've looked at it and I've got I've wondered has anybody put numbers to this? Have has anybody really put thought into it to figure out how it works? Because it's seductively easy. Right. I mean, it's one of those things where it does eliminate a lot of loopholes. It also takes out the special interest and their influence. I mean, what, how common is it nowadays to hear people? I mean, you hear our president talk about you here on the nightly show where everybody talks about we got to stop those loopholes. We got to, you know, get rid of those tax avoidance schemes and all those other things that people are talking about. Well, this does it. I mean, this totally takes out the special interest side of things. So that's why it's exciting to me. But what gives me pause? Here's what gives me pause to it is that I'm worried about we're adding a new tax while keeping an existing tax.
0: Explain what you mean there.
1: Well... Here's, we're adding a consumption tax, a sales tax, so it's a brand new tax. I mean, these are not new type of taxes. I mean, you see over in Europe, you have the value-added tax. I'm going to go into, because I know we actually have some, there's a Wall Street Journal article that came out and went over some of these things and gave some dates and figures and so forth, and we're going to touch on that, but it scares me because I guess it leads into the second point. is I don't trust the government, and what I mean by that is it's the same way. I think it's kind of gimmicky. I think Herman Cain's, um, I I think he's well-intentioned with it, but I think it does have a gimmick to it, and here's why, is because I know when Fidelity first came out, I'm going to take you guys back a few years ago, Bo, do you remember who had the best index funds in the industry, in the investment industry? Uh, Who has built an entire business off of index funds? It's got
0: to be Vanguard.
1: Vanguard has dominated the index industry for decades, and kind of their mainstay within index investing was the S&P 500 fund, the Vanguard Index 500. Um, It had an internal expense. I'm doing this off memory because I remember it so vividly. It was 0.18%. That was considered just incredible.
0: That's practically free.
1: Well, it felt like it at 0.18% because you have to remember the average mutual fund during this time is about 1.5% internal expenses. So you have an index fund that's doing it at 0.18%. That's almost 10 times cheaper, a little less, um, but almost 10 times cheaper than the average mutual fund. Well, Fidelity came out a few years ago and declared war. And we did a whole podcast on this topic. And they came in and said they're undercutting Vanguard, not just on the S&P 500 fund, but on a number of of their index funds and cutting the internal expense down to 0.10%. That's right, 15 times cheaper than the average mutual fund. But when I heard that, I was like, this is a gimmick. This is just because they want to use it in a marketing campaign and they want to get more people to look at Fidelity. But I think they caught on that people were thinking that it was a gimmick and not jumping on it because they didn't believe that this would happen. I had that same gut feeling about Herman Cain's plan. Now, let me tell you what Fidelity did that shocked me. And if Herman Cain could do this, I might be able to change my tune a little bit. Fidelity came in, changed the way their, their, their product was structured And they changed their prospectus, they changed the entire agreement that that fund was built on, a lot of these index funds, to where the only way you could raise the internal expense ratio of any of their index funds that was now at this 0.10% was for the holders, the shareholders of these mutual funds to actually vote to increase their internal, internal expenses. Now, how many of you guys who own the Fidelity Index Spartan funds are going to vote to raise your own internal expenses? Uh-uh. probably slim to none. So I knew that they were serious. This was truly a permanent change. So I was willing to kind of jump in with my firm, and we even started buying those index funds instead of buying the Vanguard funds that we'd been buying in the past because it's buying an index. They're all kind of built the same. So if we can get into it for half the price, let's do it. So if... Pre- it, it, well, look, I'm already giving him some credit. <laughs> didn't mean to do that. But Herman, if Mr. Kane could somehow... I don't, I don't even know how you'd do it because, you know, I had a client who, when we were talking about this, had some thoughts. But make it where he constitutionally can't go above a certain level, where right. we'd have to, as taxpayers, vote to raise the level. Because 999 sounds easy right. and it sounds low. But what? And I saw this in an editorial at one point. Why couldn't it be 27-27-27?
0: I mean, I, that's a great, great point, Brian. I think the, the, the Wall Street Journal article that we read I have it right in front of me. It says the real political defect of the plan um, is that it's that whole double tax thing that you just talked about, a new national sales tax while maintaining the income tax. While it's seductively low, the current income tax was introduced in 1913 with a top rate of 7% amid promises that it would never exceed 10%. By 1918, you know where it was, the top rate? Where? 77%.
1: Yeah. I mean, it ties in directly to the the can't-trust-the-government. I mean, the analogy I give on taxation is that go out to your your spigot on the outside of your house, rip off the handle on it, open it up to where it's going wide open, and then throw away the wrench as well as the handle that you took off because that's the way taxes are. You never see them go away. You always see them, you know, once they come on, it's kind of like getting water uphill. You know, you dump, bust a dam open Let the water spill out down the hillside and then tell somebody after the water's gone out, get that water back up the hill. Good luck. It doesn't happen with taxation. It's kind of another another example. Here in the state of Georgia, we have a toll road called Georgia 400. Well Bo, Bo, I don't even know if you know this. This that toll road was built in 1993. Do you know when the toll was supposed to stop being collected on that road?
0: I don't know when it was stopped, but was it was it, there was a finite time period? Right, it's supposed to be 10 years or 12 years or yeah. Something and like and that. there
1: might have been they might have done several extensions. But I found an article just in um, the past year that said that we were supposed to stop collecting tolls on July 1st of 2011. <laughs> and here we are. It's um now
0: for those of you who don't live around this area, Georgia 400 still very much has a. Well, it own. generates.
1: It generates between 22 and 30 million dollars a year for the state, uh, you know, roads and so forth in that area. So it's um, it, it's just it's another example of how I don't know if I completely trust that government will do everything that they say they're going to do. So that gives me a great deal of pause. That, you know. They claim nine nine nine, but I've heard twenty seven twenty seven right. twenty seven, and I think that would be something, you know, that could really hurt the future of our economic growth. I also thought it was interesting, is that most people don't realize that what it does is is that if you're a business paying the nine percent tax, it also is going to make you you take your bottom, you know, profit, but then you have to add back your wages all the wages that are within your firm. And I was kind of shocked when I read that. And I was like, wait a minute, that bothers me a little bit because that's not really a 9% tax if you're adding back wages. I made myself feel a little bit better about it by thinking about that, okay, well, we're no longer, the employer already pays 7.65% for Social Security and Medicare. Those taxes are going to be wiped out. So it's not really, it's only a 1.35% increase. But if you're saving it somewhere else, that's okay. But... It really brought up that there were some loopholes here or at least holes in it. I I thought it was interesting. The Wall Street Journal did have an article back on October 10th called Keynes Tax Mutiny that went over some of this. And and I'm just going to read the first two paragraphs here. It says, The plan is nothing if not bold, throwing out the current tax code and replacing it with three new taxes, a 9% flat rate personal income tax with no deductions except for donations to charity, a 9% flat tax on net business profits, and a new 9% national sales tax. And I put in parentheses, this is me adding this, based on the fair tax. I pulled that off of Herman Cain's website. Um, The plan abolishes the current payroll and estate taxes as well as those on capital gains and dividends. All capital expenses of businesses would be expensed in the year of purchase, and foreign profits could be repatriated without a tax penalty. The plan is designed to raise as much revenue as the current tax code and the Heritage Foundation estimates it would not increase the budget deficit. But there was a CPA, or at least a tax practitioner, that wrote in on October 14th in response to that article called Keynes Tax Mutiny. And um, Bill wrote this. He says, You mentioned that all legitimate business expenses would be deductible except wages. I've been a tax practitioner for more than 35 years, and when I read wages won't be deductible, I knew my job would be secure and the IRS would need much more funding. (laughs) My business would move from a compliance to planning and handling audits. Why? If I can deduct all expenses but wages, I'm going to spend a whole lot of time figuring out how to turn wages into some other type of expense. And you can be sure we'll figure out ways to turn ordinary income into capital gains and dividends since they would both be tax-exempt. Since states and cities will not be changing their income tax rates, non-federal tax rates could effectively be outrageously high. Imagine two Ohio companies, one man- manufacturer with lots of material costs and a one-service business where the overwhelming cost is wages. The first will have a huge advantage as it can deduct most of its costs, but the second can't deduct its main expense under the Kane Plan and must pay the 9% not on its profits but on profits plus wages. The effect of this would be a magnified by state taxes. I thought that was actually Bill did a great job. He, he's from West Lafayette, um, Indiana. So I thought that was an interesting point because I know when I did the numbers and I'm going to get into that, I think this is probably a good segue in talking about the unanswered question we had. And I have one client that, you know, like I said, I can't give you all the numbers, but I can talk about it in, in a great deal is that it, they a lot of they, they use independent contractors. And I think there's a big question mark on how does that play out? Do you look if you just add back W2 wages? Then this person ends up where you know, after you just take the individual and then the corporate tax and then you back into what would they have to consume or spend in order to, to pay the equivalent, it was about $90,000. So they as an individual and family would have to go out there and consume $90,000
0: to be an apples apples to apples. Why don't you walk through exactly how you did the number, starting at the top and kind of working down? Right.
1: What I did was I, did, I took the income of the company, I then added wages... And that was income after expenses. I added back the wages. I came up with the total and then took 9% off of it. I then went and I took their individual income, that's the gross income, and then I took out charity because that's the only deduction we'd be allowed to take anymore, and then I took 9% of that number. I added those two numbers together, and that was your total of your individual and corporate taxes because a lot of these... I did it. I did an example on somebody who's not a corporate person, and I'll talk about that in a little bit too, But then I went back and I said, okay, so now let's take what these people currently pay, because we have a small business owner here. We'll take his flow-through income that's on his personal tax return, add back the payroll taxes, because they're no longer going to be collected, and then let's subtract that from whatever those total is for those taxes, subtract that from that individual and corporate under the 9-9 plan. Um, And we came up with a difference. And then I took that difference and divided it by the 9%. Because that will tell you how much you'd have to spend and be subject to sales tax, the consumption tax, to be at the break-even point. So on this individual, it's about $90,000. Now, that's a little—when That when you hear that, you're like, wow. So that means this person would have to spend between seven dollars and $8,000 a month— you know, of money to to balance out for this to be really revenue neutral on this person. But I tell you, that's kind of misleading because you have to think, I believe if this is based upon the fair tax, I haven't seen it typed in anywhere. But if you take the assumption that this is based on the fair tax, services will now be subject to these sales taxes as well. This nine percent sales tax will also be incurred on your service. So your CPA, lawyers, your financial doctors. advisor, your doctors, your lawyers, exactly. Everything that you do service when you go and get your oil changed, you get your auto car your 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 car repaired. There's a lot of services that you pay that you don't pay sales tax on currently. So though so that ninety thousand dollars Sounds like a lot, and it very well could be a lot, but I'm just telling you there are additional things that are now going to be taxed that are currently not subject to sales tax. So that was interesting. So I took the same company, though, that would have to spend $90,000 more because they did have about an $8,000—well, I don't want to say savings because we don't know if it's a savings because they are consuming resources and go have to pay this consumption tax— But I took it and I said, okay, well, let's just do the two. Let's do the corporate and the individual tax. But let's assume we do have to add back any independent contractors that they might have. Guess what that does to the number? Now, instead of them having at least some money they have to spend to be back at the break-even, just having the individual and the corporate tax is actually $24,000 more than what they pay just in individual income taxes and corporate taxes currently. So I thought that was very interesting. So I think there's a huge gaping hole in this thing on what do you do with independent contractors? Because there's a lot of companies out there that don't necessarily have employees. They have a lot of independent contractors. And I also say, if this is a loophole, what's to keep I even joked about this firm. What's to keep me from turning all of my employees? Because we're highly wage based here too. Is I mean we don't have if you think about it, we're a service business, Mm -hmm. we manage people's money, we give financial advice. Our, our biggest expense, besides the software and our hardware and things like that, is our people. Payroll. So payroll, if you think about that, what if I could turn every one of my employees into an independent contractor? Is that going to be a loophole for me? That's why that's, that tax practitioner has a great question there that I have not seen anybody address. The other thing I noticed, if you look at somebody, if you think, okay, Brian, I don't own a company. How does this impact me? So I took and looked at somebody who was like that and it worked out quite nicely. I mean, this is a having a good salary. I took somebody who had a salary of, you know, in the 50s and what I found out was is that they would have to consume 35, close to $36,000 worth of things that they'd be subject to sales tax on, consumption tax on in order. So that works out pretty good for the average $50,000 a year type employee too. So I thought that was an incredible thing. I will tell you, If you're asking, well, Brian, this is like squeezing a balloon. If this thing is revenue neutral, meaning that it's going to generate just as much taxes as our current tax code, where is that additional money coming from? It realistically is going to come from that 47% of the population that doesn't pay taxes right now. I mean, that's the only place because I ran it off somebody who's very successful. I have a a small business owner who owns a very, very successful company, um, very high income, where they're paying – i can 't give numbers, but let 's just say that they 're paying close to a, you know let 's just say a quarter of a million dollars in right now normal taxation. You take this down to where they 're now only paying the nine and nine tax, it takes it down significantly. I would say a third of their you know at least twenty five percent of that quarter of a million is saved for them, and that's um that 's substantial because they would have to go spend $765,000 to break even. So we should note though, that this client that I'm talking about is the biggest employer of the group. So maybe Herman Cain is doing this on purpose because the part of this goal is that he talks about is he is trying to help grow the economy. So maybe by you know helping out those that are the biggest employers, we'll have that benefit of getting more people working out there in the, you know, in the job force. So I thought that was something that we should discuss um, as we're putting these numbers out there.
0: So if you're going to make a blank, blanket statement of the 999, who, who does it help, who does it hurt, and who does it kind of indifferent for based on our current well, system? Well, I'll
1: tell you, they would have a field day with the whole Warren Buffett discussion because can't you imagine, remember, dividends and capital gains are now exempt on this thing. So can you see... The, the Oracle from Omaha getting up there saying, okay, I only paid myself $100,000 last year. So, yes, he would have to pay 9% on that $100,000, but all of his $62 million worth of dividend and, and capital gains income would now have be subject to zero taxes. Now, it's not a completely fair argument because, believe me, Berkshire Hathaway, the 9% on just it would be a substantial sum of money. But you can imagine how that would be a field day. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, if if I'm I'm talking about who we're squeezing the balloon on, who because nobody's getting a free lunch here, it's literally nobody's getting a free lunch, is that everybody, even the 47% who are getting lots of credits and other things are now going to start paying taxes. Now, I don't think that's a completely awful thing. I think everybody ought to have a little skin in the game, but it is one of those things where, you know, obviously people who are barely struggling to make ends meet um, and I think I've heard Herman Cain talk on that, and I think he does have something right. that he's not talking about because he's probably trying to make it through a Republican primary, and and that doesn't you know sound right. out well to that group of people. Maybe if he did make it through the primary, he would change his thoughts on that, but I thought that there was a huge gaping hole in the fact of independent contracts, because a lot of companies, a lot of your construction, a lot of your personal service companies um, use, especially a lot of your blue-collar work, use individual, con, in, in, you know, independent contractors for their workforce. The other thing that we've, we had conversations about, Bo, retirement savings.
0: How's, how's that going to be affected? You know, because there was
1: another, I'll tell you, there was a person who wrote in, let me find this, this was a person named John from Washington that wrote in to the Wall Street Journal on it and said, I just retired, having endured higher income tax rates and payroll taxes all my life. Now living off my life savings, which have already been taxed, I'm faced with a new consumption tax that will again tax my earnings. Herman Cain's nine percent plus eight and a half percent Washington State sales tax takes a seventeen percent bite out of our nest egg and makes our golden years look that much less golden. And we thought the dividend tax was double taxation. It's a great point. It is a great point. I mean, for I mean, these are things, and that's why I guess I'll, I'll kind of close down the discussion on on what Mr. Herman Cain's come up with is that I think it's great that he's thinking outside the box and really trying to move the discussion. Because this is what I'm hoping that super committee of our senators and um, House members are, are getting together. I really hope they're thinking about crazy outside the box ideas that we can all come together because this is the truth. And you know, this is what I've realized. I was talking to somebody this morning is that we all know we're going to have to carry some type of additional weight of this thing. To get out of the economic situation that the global economy is in, we all know that we're going to have to either pay more taxes or, or carry the load somewhere. We just want it to be fair Absolutely. and reasonable to everybody. And believe me, that's what I'm hoping that super committee is going to do. Let's, let's all come together, cut this, because that's the problem I see, is there's so much partisanship on both sides. You know, I'm not throwing arrows at one group because they're both doing it. You got one that says, hey, we need to be spending more. We got another one that says we need to be cutting more. And I think we need to, the thing I've always said that neither one of the parties is focusing on, and it drives me crazy because I, I want to pull my hair out, growth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Growth is what's going to get us the jobs. And you hear nobody talking about growth. You hear everybody talking about we got to cut spending or we got to spend more to stimulate. And, you know, and they're talking about government spending. Nobody's talking about what do we do to grow the overall economy, to get that GDP number going up so that these percentages of government and so forth and debt and, you know, and deficits, they don't seem as big. Because that's the way you're going to fix this is through growth. So I think Herman Cain's plan is very interesting. It's outside the box. But I think it has huge problems in the fact that I don't trust government it doesn't do anything to protect us from the government turning this into a bigger tax. and There's lots of unanswered questions. What I do
0: like about it, though, is that it's tangible. It's something that we could actually put some numbers to, and it was at least an idea. It may not be the final idea or the best idea just yet, but it's something we could analyze. I think that's what, I think that's what a lot of people are looking for right now, something they can take a look at and actually turn over kick the tires on it and see if it would work.
1: And Herman is very likable. Every time I've, I've shaken – like I say, he doesn't know who I am. But every time I've shaken Herman Cain's hand, he's, he's just a likable guy. And I think that goes a long way. And I do think people like that he's willing to come up with an idea because I've been watching these debates. I've even seen, you know, the whole political environment now. is, And I don't know if it's just because it's a jousting match to where the, the person who uh, – lands on their feet at the end of the day is the winner is that everybody has to be so safe that in these debates and elsewhere they don't say anything you know it's all become just a whole bunch of vagaries kind of it is it's all vague stuff it's turned into its own reality show where uh, i don't know it's popularity contests more than people leading off of what they know the driving force of us all coming together and that's what um I hopefully y'all have enjoyed the nine nine nine. Love you to leave your feedback on maybe some things you've thought about with the Herman Cain plan. Um, you know, let us know what you thought your thoughts are because I know that this is one of those things that, you know, when politics kind of swerves over and jumps into the economic life, we're going to address these things for you guys because I want you to be educated so that when people ask you questions, you know you got some answers to tell them. So let us know your thoughts. You can write us Brian at money-guy. Bo, you can also, they can write Bo with Bo at money You can also check us out at money Sign up for the free section where we'll blast you out emails every time we update the, the, the information. You can sign up for the premium section if you want to get all of our backdated shows and go listen to all the, the audio. Plus, we also put our commentary and some other tools that we have available. And then, of course, in the last few months, we've added a new Facebook page that we'd love for you to like. And then we've also got a YouTube channel. We did put post in the last few weeks another Money Minute. Plus, we've got a, um, so you want to be a millionaire. What, do you, what does it really take to be a millionaire? Go check us out. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you in about two weeks.
0: The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.